You're listening to episode 28 of the Divine Nobody's Podcast. and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoy this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. The holidays are upon us, Jen. Oh, shit. They sure are. And we're here. <laughs> and uh, I think my, my belt's a little tight. Feels a little tight right now. Oh, my gosh. My whole body feels tight from 10 months of quarantine. Oh, really? So it's like yeah. that in addition to? In addition to, yeah, the overeating plus the yeah. overeating and drinking that I've been doing. It, I feel like puffy, like a puffer fish. A puffer fish? Yeah. I actually used to have some puffer fish. You did? They're hard to take care of. I bet. And at the time when I actually got them, um, I was misinformed by Petco at the time because they actually <laughs> advertised them as freshwater fish when they're actually not. They're not. They're saltwater yeah. fish. So I was actually much younger. I was like in my early 20s and I just kept seeing these little puffer fish just slowly bite the dust. And oh. so I just, and, and I didn't know what was wrong. I thought I was doing something wrong. And um, I ended up having to go back to Petco and they told me like, yes, they, the person that was uh, doing the puffer fish business marked it wrong, <sighs> you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you know, you live and you learn anyways. But uh, I feel like the Thanksgiving thing, it's a little different. I mean, it's a different dynamic this year, ultimately altogether. But there's this, there's this voice that kind of came up into my mind, which is like, yeah, I could eat myself into oblivion. And it would be okay because we're still in quarantine. No one's seeing anybody. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Did you see your family? I did not. You know, um, this is the first year that I haven't seen my family, of, you know, in like a year's time span. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, one or the other. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like that's the time to recharge. Spending that time with your family, with the people who love you most, that know you better than anyone on the whole planet, yeah. that has seen your goth face, your big tooth face, your braces, your puberty, like all yeah. the awkward moments in your life, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's something really grounding about being with your family. It's as true. much as we like talk shit about it, you know, about, you know, when are you going to get married? Yeah. You know, why are you dating this person? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like a form of endearment, you know, being around your family because they've seen you go through all the seasons. Oh yeah. And we're talking, not, not talking about just, you know, winter and fall and things like that. They went through all the different phases of who you are. Oh, for sure. And, um, you know, ultimately blood is blood and they acknowledge you and, you know, hope they accept you for who you are. Yeah. And they've been through you know, that entire time with you. So I know exactly what that feels like. I wasn't able to see a whole lot of my family either. Yeah. You know, uh, so we had to result in doing sort of like this uh, series of Zoom calls. Womp womp. Did you do the Zoom call thing? No. Yeah. So we did this thing where we kind of like sat at the table and you mm-hmm. had these like little sort of like Hollywood squares of different family members mm-hmm. that were all, you know, sitting at the table with their sort of plate of food celebrating in their own way. And um, I actually did the prayer this year. Oh. Which is cool because I've actually mm-hmm. never done it. Yeah. Uh, but it just felt really festive and I just decided to kind of pull it through. And then we had this discussion on all the things that we have to be grateful for. Cause that to mm-hmm. us, 
because we're not the most they're not the most spiritual people in terms of like just traditional Christian values and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, we talked more about what we're thankful for. Not mm-hmm. that Thanksgiving is a Christian holiday, but you know we're not going to celebrate the demolition of the Native Americans, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I ate a lot of like really amazing uh, vegetarian, vegan food. Of course, they, they, they know that I kind of go down that route. So it's nice when they can accommodate that sort of thing. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't cook this year. We went out to eat and um, the Santa Ana winds were blowing through the city and everything. It was so windy. Really? So yeah. And everything's outdoors right now. Mm-hmm. And the restaurant that we chose, um, we didn't know because we made a reservation Uh and uh, we show up and the tables were outside and there was no covering at all. Mm -hmm. So the wind's blowing through and like the, the tablecloths are blowing up and knocking over full tables of, of glassware and plates and whatever. Yeah. It was crazy. The heaters were falling over. It was like the end of the world. That was the thing. I actually heard uh, the Santa Ana winds. I think they had to like shut off some power in certain areas of the city because it was getting crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys have to go to that? No, we weren't. We weren't on the uh, get your power shut off. Yeah. Well, that's good. Grid, I feel like you went nice. through that at um, various points throughout the year. I feel like you paid your dues. You know, you had I, to like chill out in the backyard without electricity for a period of time. Yeah. For three days. That was cool. Yeah. You're just like yeah. in this like rapid acceleration course of learning and, and growing yeah. this year. Yeah. There's been a lot, a lot happening, you know, and then yeah. my, um, my husband's grandmother um, passed away yesterday. Yeah. And uh, she was 102. Oh, solid age though. Solid age. I mean, I don't want to fuck with 102. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I think that we were talking like about- too long. You were talking about this a little bit, I think before the podcast, which is like, it, it's hard to put that in a perspective because I mean, I've lived for 36 years old mm-hmm. and she's ultimately lived pretty much three of my lifetimes already. Right. And that's insane to think about. It's crazy. Because I'm waiting for the aliens to snatch me up right now. Oh, man. You Any day. Any day. Like, you've come to that conclusion that, like, you know, this is going to be your last lifetime only because, you know, like, I, I feel like I'm at that age where I'm, I'm starting to uh, sort of understand kind of how things work. And uh, this this idea of kind of moving on to something much more maybe profound, like maybe we'll take another life in Venus somewhere. Oh, that'd be cool. You know, but at 102, that's somebody that's seen the world change multiple times. Oh my God. Yeah. Wonder what that's like. I mean, I think that the world has changed a lot since beepers now to cell phones, to baby computers in your hand, you know, like imagine what she's experienced. Like she was alive when the telephone wasn't a thing. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. And there's like a certain point. I think about this all the time, especially when it comes to people that are older than me, like my elders, like uh, at some point, like they, at least from my experience, they become a little bit more disconnected from, I guess, the world around them. They mm-hmm. stop sort of paying attention to sort of like that cultural zeitgeist that we're all pretty much a part of, which nowadays would be like social media and things like that. And they sort of just build this little nest where, you know, them and their partner just sort of live in. And it's always something that I feel, at least when I hang out with my mother, where it's like, I'm a part of this sort of accelerated world. But then when I go and hang out with my mom, it's a very simple sort of practical existence where yeah. none of that exists. Oh, that's so nice. Maybe that's the peace that you feel when you're with family. Yeah, maybe that's it. I, it know. just feels like taking a break to me. It's like the reset button, you know? Yeah. I can just go and lay on the couch and be as, you know, sloppy as I want and no one cares. That's true. Right? That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I go through that same thing. There's just this feeling of comfort that I feel when I'm with my family. And, um, 
you know, even to have your mother just scold you for seemingly, you know, trivial things feels pretty good. Yeah, it does. But it knocks you down a few notches. And there's, a, it's funny because I was, uh, when we were talking about topics for the show, I looked up um, ways to cope with depression and stress like around the holidays because yeah. I felt a lot of depression this year. And I know it's because I wasn't able to see my family and know 100% that's why. Yeah. And it just the holiday felt so weird, like going out to eat and just me and my husband and shit's blown around all over the place. Right. And it just really didn't feel like, yeah. I don't know. It didn't feel like Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, Had so. that sort of like post-apocalyptic vibe where it's like that sort of Thanksgiving and those sort of holidays feel like a thing of the past. Yeah, it does. It's you like know? what happened to the family, you know, what happened to like the togetherness. It's just like coronavirus has totally wiped out all of those things for 2020. Yeah. So it's like, and wanna, I know this isn't permanent, right? Yeah. But it just feels like, oh man. Yeah. And you want to be realistic too. I mean, as much as we talk about, you know, a lot of the, the really good things that happen on the spiritual journey, I mean, we have to also incorporate the fact that suffering exists and fear exists and it's okay to feel those feelings. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Because I, I've definitely felt those, especially this year within mm -hmm. the last six or seven months or so. But I don't know if this happens to you. It definitely happens to me where I feel like uh, a lot of humans are kind of like, uh, obviously a part of nature, but I notice like at certain parts of the year, people go through things like seasonal depression. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, you know? I get that. And uh, I notice around the winter time, maybe around fall, um, even like fall and winter that I start to become a little bit more introspective. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I noticed there's like a deepness to my cadence and the things that I'm interested in and the mm -hmm. things that I read about and even in like my reflection with others. And normally during that time, it's like a very, really big time for artistic expression for me. Mm -hmm. And that involves like really going into like some deep emotions. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that was something that I'd only gone through, but I have a lot of friends that it, it happens the same way for them. Yeah. Yeah. Mean, yeah, it happens. It happens exactly the same way for me because my birthday's in the, in the winter time, and that's mm -hmm. always a huge like point of reflection about the prior year, and what I've done, where I've come from, where I want to go, what I want to do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. But, you know, part of that depression and like part of coping is acknowledging your feelings, just like you said, and um, it's it's been tough. Like this has been really really tough, but. Uh, this is part of it. And while we need to acknowledge our feelings, we also need to be realistic mm -hmm. that, you know, this isn't going to last forever and holidays can't be rainbows and butterflies every year. You know, it's not, sometimes things happen yeah. and this is just something we're going to have to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to, I mean, I'm trying always trying to find like the spiritual underpinning to everything that happens in life, because I feel like as much as it seems like pretty trivial to just participate in, in holidays and, and, you know, connecting with family, ultimately there's, there's a bigger sort of like purpose at work all the time. Mm -hmm. And right. um, even when something comes up or it seems to be negative or sort of drags me down, I'm always trying to look for the potential opportunity for growth there. And there's right. definitely been a lot of that. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. It, 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 it's definitely hard to acknowledge because you're dealing with the ego's perception of how that life works. Right. So although it's a different sort of Thanksgiving and probably a different sort of like Christmas, a lot of, I guess, down the spiritual path is trying to resolve yourself of the attachments that you have to not necessarily these holidays, but these more worldly type of things that take you down these routes of mm -hmm. unconscious behavior. Right. You know, so I, I'm trying to find the lesson there and I'm trying to feel through like the emotions that I feel during that time. 
Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think about is how we correspond with nature because we're a part of nature. Right. And those seasons represent a cycle that happens right. every single year. And depending on how integrated you are with nature, you may pick it up and you may not. But I feel like people that are aware of the fact that, you know, plants thrive and then die at a certain point of the year, it puts it in a perspective for you mm-hmm. that death is all around you. Oh yeah. And it's happening all the time. Happening all the time. Happening yesterday, happening right now. My other grandmother, this is crazy. So my husband's grandmother passed away and then um, my grandmother is on hospice. Yeah. Um, and this is my grandmother on my mother's side and I don't have a relationship with my mother. And um, I don't really have a relationship with this grandmother either. And part of this holiday season has been really weird for me because I felt guilty for not being more upset that she was passing away. You know, Mm. I I felt bad for her that she was suffering and in pain and has cancer and it's metastatic. And I think that's horrible. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But at the same time, it's almost like she's a stranger. Like it's hard to grieve the loss of someone that you don't really know. Right. So yeah, it's just, that's been, that's been really tough. And, you know, gr- grief hits people in, in different ways. Right. And I had a, uh, got an interesting message from my uncle uh, via Facebook, right? Yeah. Um, and anybody that knows me knows that, like, I've had the same number for, you know, the last 24 or five years. Right. Um, but this uncle, like, didn't even have my phone number because I haven't seen him or spoken to him since I was three or four years old. Right. And I just got this crazy, I mean just horrible tear you down Facebook message um, from this person that I really don't even know. Like I'm a blood relative to this person, but I I literally, if I saw him in the street would not know who he was. Right. Um, And it's funny that didn't have anything to do with me that had to do with his grief of losing his mother. Right. And it's, it was really hard at the time and it, and it kind of like took me back and I was shocked and my feelings were hurt and I didn't really know why, you know, cause normally if somebody that you didn't know, some crazy person on the street was talking shit to you, it wouldn't bother you. Right. right? right. Um, but yeah, for some reason it really just really bothered me because I do share blood with this person right. and it's, it's almost, I was grieving too, that I didn't have a relationship with this person that felt so strongly about me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you were grieving in your own way. Right. right? Yeah. And everybody, and everybody from, I, I think the, the more expanded perception of how to handle a situation like that is that we should be compassionate towards the fact that everybody has their own process. Yep. And Absolutely. that person, just like you said, is dealing with their own sort of grieving process and it means something different to him. Yeah. Just as it means something different to you. When I look at grieving and, you know, I've volunteered in hospice for many years. You've been a nurse for a mm-hmm. long time. No, oh, yeah. And so being around people that have passed away, I mean, it's, there's a human element to it where it, you're going to feel emotions no matter what. Now the right. variance between how severe that is or how it isn't is, is entirely different. But the mm-hmm. one thing that I, I think about when it comes to losing a loved one is whether or not that said loved one in those astral realms is really, it does really wants you to feel that. Right. Right. And, and from my experience, just reading about, you know, afterlife studies and like Raymond Moody and PMH Atwater and a lot of these sort of people that pioneer research and near death experiences that have interviewed thousands of people that have gone to the other side is that not in a sadistic way, but it's something that should be respected and celebrated. They're right. not concerned with the fact that they're not in this life anymore. Trust mm-hmm. me, 
that other world is much more beautiful than this one. It's way better. Right. And a way lot of those better. people at some point in their near death experience don't want to come back. Right. And I don't mean that, you know, people should want to die. Yeah. But no. What I mean is that you shouldn't fear death. You shouldn't fear death. And when somebody passes on, it, it's crazy to me that I feel like in America, um, we're one of the only nations that actually don't celebrate or acknowledge the fact that like death really exists. Right. You know what I mean? Like in the Philippines, when during Halloween, they actually throw parties in the cemeteries. Mm-hmm. They, they pay homage and respect to the dead. Same thing with uh, Mexico mm-hmm. and a lot of other places. There's no stigma behind it because it's very much a part of life. Right. So that sort of changes the narrative for us because in our Western society, it's, it's very much not necessarily even frowned upon. There's just this huge fear behind just the idea of death. Yeah. And I think that fear drives a lot of the ship when it comes to our just collective fear when it comes to how we live life. Right. You know what I mean? Because you'd be surprised at like how the fear of death affects how somebody moves just in everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't have a fear of death, if you understand wholeheartedly what it actually means, then I feel like you live a much more harmonious life knowing that you're an eternal spirit. Right. You're an infinite soul. And if you know that your spirit can never be essentially damned or never die, then you'll chill the fuck out when it comes to most things in this life. For real. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And it, it's funny, and I'm sure you experienced this whenever um, you were working in hospice with people. Uh, one of the stages of dying and like one of the signs and symptoms of dying is that is confusion. Like a patient that isn't normally confused will become confused, but it's not really confused. They're just kind of in limbo between this world and the other. And they start to see, they start to see the dead. They start to see their loved ones. They start to have this like second wind of memories and, you know, of energy. It's really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very, very real thing. Yeah. And now that we're talking actually about hospice, it's a really important thing that you bring up because I I feel like your experience in in nursing and my experience in hospice obviously had its own sort of teaching and uh, its own form of enlightenment built into it. Because once I sat with a lot of these patients and really understood what that process is like, I found and made peace with my own mortality. Mm -hmm. But uh, the one thing that I found really, really interesting is that Um, a lot of the fear that I feel that dying people go through comes from this sort of feeling that they're alone. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I noticed about nurses and doctors is that they're trained to keep somebody alive. Mm -hmm. They're trained to, you know, diagnose you and give you treatment in order to affirm the continuity of your life. Right. But what I noticed that they aren't trained to do, or at least from my experience, they don't implement as well is that they don't know what to do with dead people. (laughs) <laughs> they don't know what to do with people that yeah. are, are going to that place. And so right. what do they do? They say, oh, you're going to be okay. Don't worry. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And that is the last thing that a dying person needs to hear. Right. There needs to be somebody sitting by their side saying, there is absolutely nothing wrong with what you're feeling. Yeah. We all go through it. You're not crazy. And, and you're not crazy. And then like Ram Das talked about it one time. He's like, he sat with a lot of patients and like, it's going to be fucking amazing. It's going to be like a party. Everyone actually Alan Watts talked about this and he's like, we're all going to gather around. This is how it should be. Yeah. Where it's like you celebrate, especially somebody at 102 years old. Yeah. Like they've had like a really amazing, beautiful life. You should celebrate the fact that this person 
had a legacy like that and you need to be with them and hold space with them and let them know that like yeah like you're you're on your way to a place that all of us don't even realize we're trying to get to for real you know and all Jeremy's grandma, she was a sassy grandma, I'll tell you that. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was drinking wine up until the time she was 102. She'd have a couple glasses of wine, get a little tipsy, talk some shit. So <laughs> sassy she, little miss. Yeah. Sassy little miss. Yeah. She had a, <laughs> she had dementia pretty bad and she would kind of, she would forget, right? So you're in the middle of a conversation with her and then she would forget who you are. And then she'd yeah. look at you and she'd go, I'm sorry, who are you? Who are yeah. you again? How do I know you? Yeah. And then I, I'd explain and. And she'd say, oh, okay, yeah, oh, Jeremy, I went to high school with him. Oh, shit. And I'm like, no, not quite. <laughs> That's so hilarious. <laughs> I just kind of go with it. And I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> there was a thought that I had at one point when I was spending a lot of time with them, because, you know, people familiar with Alzheimer's, yeah. dementia, I think, falls into that same category where they start to forget mm-hmm. really important people in their life. Yeah. And, and, and there's a part of you, especially at this age, where you're like, I don't want to mm-hmm. forget. Like, I want to remember my legacy and I want to remember my life. But then there's a part of me that feels like there's a sort of like fierce grace, divine intervention piece of that. Yeah. Which is a lot of what meditation and, you know, enlightenment is trying to do is trying to resolve you from a lot of the attachments and feelings that are preventing you from awakening to that divinity within. Right. And you can do that yourself on this sort of whatever curriculum that you want. But Ram Das is a perfect example of that because he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ram Das was a Harvard professor um, and, you know, he went to India and he came back a, a sage. He's mm-hmm. one of the most prolific sort of Western gurus of our time. Yeah. And if you listen to his talks, like this guy would do three, four, five hour talks. Yeah. He had a stroke. All of a sudden, he isn't able to access those neural pathways in his brain and talk exactly. the way that he used to. Yeah. And at first, that scared the shit out of him. Oh, yeah. But after sure a while, he started saying this is like grace settling upon his body because uh-huh. now all those thoughts, all those things with ego that people go through, yeah, nature did it for him. Right. So now he's in this place of just being present. So I mm-hmm. wonder, like, how would you feel? And I thought about this too. It's like, maybe there's a part to them forgetting that is preparing them for the sort of ultimate transition that in a sense will automatically resolve you of those things anyways. You won't have a struggle. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Did I'm on board. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I notice that my grandfather does the same thing. He starts to forget who I am. Right. But there's this part of me that's just like, well, you could just, you know, develop, continuously develop a relate. You I mean, why wouldn't you still develop or still be yourself with a complete stranger? Right. You know? So it's cool. It's, I, I, it's nice. I've learned a lot from sitting with a lot of people um, in a hospice mm-hmm. and even from people with, that were nonverbal, people that had gone through dementia. Mm-hmm. You're right. They have their own process. Um, yeah. But once you get to experience the whole process of somebody transitioning and just like you say, they start to see things in the room. Mm-hmm. They become sort of like this swinging door where they're in this life, they're very much grounded here, but then they start seeing things that like we can't see, like angels and relatives yeah. and loved ones. Right. And and they'll talk to them and yeah, they'll, yeah it's they'll a real, real experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like a really, really experience. And why would that freak somebody out? Mm, I, I Honestly, I think it's it's what we know about religion that, mm-hmm. that freaks us out, you know? Yeah. Um, and we were... At, I was especially taught this in the South, like, 
oh, if you're not a good person, you're going to go to hell. Your soul's going to burn for eternity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just not the case, Yeah, you know, but um, I could see why you would be afraid to die if you grew up, you know, believing that and, yeah. and ascribing to that outcome, especially yeah. if you aren't proud of yourself or had some regrets that you thought would land you in the fiery pits of hell, yeah. you know? Or just shame for being alive. Or that. You know, it's like what Sophie, Sophia said, and I actually talked to somebody earlier this week where, I, you know, whenever I come into contact with a Christian and I ask them what their biggest gripe is when it comes to that sort of thing, it's just like, hey, I was born, all of a sudden I'm a sinner for doing nothing. Yeah. And that kind of sticks with you, you right. know, because then it goes from like this sort of omnipotent, all loving God to this sort of big daddy in the sky sitting on the clouds that's got his <laughs> eye on you. <laughs> Wayne to scold you for just being a human being. Right. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that people like go through, you know, that type of fear. But right. the crazy thing is I feel like a lot of people's freedom is just right on the other side of that. Just that understanding of a very natural and organic process, which is that of death. Yeah. I you know agree. what I mean? I agree. And, you know, everybody has their own vision of what God looks like. Mm. And apparently, according to our Akashic record reading, um, God looks like a psychedelic hippie. Yeah. He's that's just, that's how he revealed himself to us. So yeah, walking around with baseball bats, just like, you know, taking down monuments of himself. Yeah. You know, and it just puts a different spin on it, you know, because it, it makes, it makes a God into more a playful type of personality. That's yeah. really how it needs to be looked, yeah. looked at. I agree. You know what I mean? But we were talking about the seasons um, when I was, when we were talking about like how I feel like we uh, are a part of like, the natural flow of how the seasons move. I also feel like there is this sort of like chakras journey because I feel like the chakra system represents our journey to complete understanding, which is like you're starting at the root, which is like your survival. It's like Maslow's mm-hmm. hierarchy of basic needs where yeah. you're going through all these different challenges mm-hmm. so that you can awaken to the thousand petal lotus at your crown and yeah. realize your divinity I feel like the seasons are designed specifically for you to go through certain emotions during certain seasons. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Right. I totally agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you have zodiac signs, right? Yeah. And I've tried to go and, and piece this apart in my mind because I'm a Libra. So ultimately I was born around the fall and mm-hmm. there's so many things worked into um, how it feels to be a person in the fall, Yeah. which is like the weather, the coolness against your skin, mm-hmm. you know, like what you feel during the most prominent sort of developmental stages in your life at a young age. Mm-hmm. And then how you mer- how do you merge from one season to the next? And for me, I noticed that, you know, uh, during the summer, I behave a certain way. I speak a certain way. Mm-hmm. I, my ability to learn happens a certain way. And then as you kind of move on towards the end of the year, mm-hmm. I start to unravel in different ways. So it makes me yeah. feel like nature is very much a part of helping us move through different types of emotions. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. And now we're in that, that kind of phase of death right now. Mm -hmm. Everything is starting to get cold. The flowers are dead. Leaves are dying, falling off the trees. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel inside. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've definitely, this season's, this seasonal depression is a real thing for me. I'm like, 
I'm like a, uh, an iguana. I like to be on my heat rock in the sun <laughs> out yeah. by the water. Right. <laughs> like that's where I find that's my happy place. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't, and some people love, some people love fall and, and the winter months. Um, and there is something kind of like magical and mysterious about fall and winter months, but yeah, I'm, I just can't wait for summer. Yeah. And I go through that same thing. But the one thing about when I think about our affiliation with nature is that it, it makes it, it brings me a certain level of peace because you're seeing these plants all around you constantly growing and dying and constantly growing and dying. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can only get certain fruits within a certain season. What are they doing when they're not in season? They're fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but they're not dead in the way that we imagine them to be. They're just sort of like in this, this holding period. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, like we're not very far off from things in nature. I feel like as a human body, it has to move that way. Yeah. So I feel like death is a natural process. And because of that law of correspondence between spirit and the physical realm, our spirits go through that same thing. It's mm-hmm. a really amazing opportunity to really reflect on the things that are burdening you, the things that you really need to sit with. It's just mm-hmm. a very accelerated level because we have this added element, which is quarantine. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, one of the uh, coolest things during quarantine. I don't know if you saw it, was the beaver moon. The beaver moon. Yeah, that was going on uh, yesterday and the day before. Um, so there was a lunar eclipse and the beaver moon, it's, it's a, the Native Americans called it the beaver moon because it's associated when the beavers um, finish building their lodges. Ah. And so that's the time that the Native Americans want to start trapping them before they go into their lodges. The Native so they, Americans are trapping beavers? Yeah, for fur. So for to keep warm. They're right? such cool little animals. I know they are cool. Yeah. Um, so it's the uh, it's the full moon, the first full frost moon in November. Yeah. So yeah, and it was super bright. Oh my gosh, the moon was so bright. I saw it on the way here. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it, insane. Yeah, it looks. It, it's really definitely really bright. Yeah. It looks so close. Yeah, it does look close. Yeah. So that's the beaver moon. That's the beaver moon. That's it. Oh man. Yeah. Imagine if I looked up at the moon and I saw a little beaver with his little teeth. Just like, hey, what's up with the beaver moon? <laughs> right. You know? That's really funny. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like beavers. They're, they're cool little guys. Yeah. Very they cute. really, really are. So is there a lot of uh, interesting things that happen around the beaver moon? No, I think it's just like any other full moon, right? You know, all the full moon things, you know, emotions run really high. It's That's a really, true. it's a really bad time to, you know, get into tough conversations that you mm-hmm. feel emotional about with maybe yeah. your partner or your friends or whatever. That's you true. maybe hold off on those conversations. Right. You know, like yeah. wait until after the full moon before you, you know, get into that. Yeah. The energy is always very heightened for me around the full moon. Like everything that I feel, I feel so much more intensely. Totally. You yeah. Know? And it's hard to find your bearings, especially now. Everything is so unpredictable. And of course the, the holidays are beginning, but also past because of Thanksgiving. It's a, really challenging time. Yeah. So I, it, it's funny. I wanted, we, I wanted to have friend of the ho, friend of the show, friend of the ho, listen friend to me. Of the ho. Oh, yeah. we, can have, we, slip. Can have, we can have a friend of the ho on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> She's had to, she has to have learned from her mistakes though. Yeah. She has, <laughs> so my grandma, she was really funny. She had a way of saying things. Um, and she would say, she would call girls that were, you know, a little slutty, um, porcupines. 
And I'm like, a porcupine? She was like, yeah, if she had as many sticking out as she's had stuck in, she would look like a porcupine. Oh my God, that's terrible. It's pretty funny though, huh? Yeah, that's something like a, <laughs> a grand, grandmother from the South would say. <laughs> right, she's funny. So, so yeah, so I pulled up, um, you know, I, I love me in some list, right? And how to cope with holiday, um, 20 tips for coping with holiday stress. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow, is it is it like quote, quote, COVID-19 holidays or just in general? No, this is just in general. Um, but I think it's all, uh, it's all pretty relevant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and this is from, uh, the mighty.com. So mm-hmm. I don't know how reputable this site is, but yeah, we'll I thought it was it. interesting. Okay. So the first we need one, all the help that we can get Jen. Seriously. Okay. You so know? the first one is simplify. And I really like this one. And this is something that I did. We cleaned out our garage and got rid of a bunch of clothes that we don't wear mm-hmm. and, you know, just donated a ton of stuff that we had left over from our old house that we hadn't even unpacked from when we moved here. And, you know, everything, every item in your house has its own energetic weight. Right. And whenever you donate stuff that you don't need, it really does release that burden on your spirit. It just feels so good yeah. to keep your backpack light. Yeah, you know it I'm does. Because it occupies space inside of your mind. It does. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we think Got rid that, of that damn pool table. Right. See you never pool table. Yeah. Yeah. No one's paying pool table right now. No one's paying pool. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just like I was telling you earlier, like we're not Puff Daddy. Our house, we don't have a fucking mansion. Like yeah. we don't have an entire room to donate to a pool table. That's like, true. Every single person that I've known that has had a pool table, like they use it for like a couple months and then it ends up the being the place that you sort your laundry. A hundred percent. It's a great place you know? to fold your clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets lint all over it. Then you got to brush it. Ugh. That's yeah. the ultimate win though, when you get rid of a pool table though, because you got a whole bunch of more space for activities. Yeah. It's true. You know, I wonder what feng shui has to say about pool tables. Uh, I don't think pool tables are a thing in feng shui. Yeah. I think they say, keep that shit in the garage if you're going to have one. Yeah. Like yeah. when you bring it up, you're like, this, let's not talk about that. Yeah. Right. They're like, no, no pool tables. No. Yeah, pool tables? <laughs> really? <laughs> so the second one is remember self-care. So Wait. exercise, you know, eating healthy. The, so the first one you talked about simplify, that doesn't necessarily even have to mean just getting rid of things in your home, right? No, no, no. It, it means like look through your to-do list, do things, cross things off the to-do list that you've been meaning to do that yeah. you haven't had time to do. Yeah. I mean, my dry cleaning pile is gigantic, but since yeah. I'm not out and working in the field anymore, like I don't really wear dress clothes, Yeah. but every once in a while for a Zoom call, I'll get fancy and put a top on, you know? Really? Do you do the thing with the Zoom call where like you get dressed up to your waist and then like you're wearing like I nothing under, at the bottom? Oh no, I I always have like uh, workout pants on. Oh really? Yeah, yeah but I'll wear like thing. a nice top and workout pants. I'm doing it right now actually. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> that is so funny. Did you hear about that story? And I actually wanted to bring this up only because I thought it was pretty hilarious, even though I'm not sure how appropriate it is about that guy. Um, I think he worked in the government and uh, he did a Zoom call. And I guess the people that were on the other side of the Zoom call didn't realize, well, he didn't realize that his camera was on. Oh, right. There's so many horrendous he, stories about that. He didn't realize that his camera was on and he got caught by his entire team who was watching him on the Zoom call like pleasuring himself. No. Yeah. No. How do you bounce back from something like that? You don't. You don't, right? You don't. Yeah. I feel like that's- like a news reporter or something. That's like an HR thing too. Yeah. Doesn't HR come in and say like, hey, super inappropriate. Um, Sorry, we got to let you go. Yeah. Actually, I have an HR story just really, really quick. When I worked for NASA, um, there was a woman um, that worked in HR. Okay. Right? 
and I was friends with her and she kind of seemed like a kind of like a wild woman. But one day I walk into to the office, long story short, we all get this mysterious email that comes from outside of the organization. Okay. Right. Uh, we open up the email where I did because I got there early. Yeah. Right. And so it, in the email were actually these photos <gasps> of this woman from HR and her ex-boyfriend. Oh dear. Doing some of the most explicit things that you could only find on the internet. Oh dear. And uh, I saw them right away. I think maybe an hour or two later, they sent out this mass email from HR saying, if you receive this email, do not open it because it is malicious yeah. um, stuff. Wow. But me and everybody else in the office actually saw it. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing for her. And it wasn't even like, you know, them, you know, kissing within the confines of their home. Like they, right. were, they were doing the deed. Yeah. Whoa. You know oh my I mean? gosh. Yeah. So that must've been, I don't know. I thought of the same thing. How do you bounce back from something like that? Yeah. And, um, she did. She did. Yeah. She, well, the thing is it wasn't her fault. He oh, was like yeah. an estranged ex that wanted to get back at her somehow. Oh my gosh. And he just sent out these photos to like the entire company. Oh my gosh. And she gosh. took it like a champ. She was still in HR and she's still, she bounced back. You know, everybody poops. Yeah. Everybody poops. Everybody has sex. It is what it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I guess when you think about it like an adult, it's it's like, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. It wasn't my fault. I didn't send it out to you people. Yeah. I'm sure it Yeah, at NASA of, though. Oh. Yeah. Right? Oh, sure. She got like the little wink in the nod from a few people. I'm oh, sure, I'm, sure. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, remember self-care. So we talked about that. Um, go to counseling. Shit. You know, if you need it, do it. Yeah. Everybody, telepsych is huge right now. Um, what is it? Telepsych. It's where, like, um, yeah, where you can just have like telemedicine appointment with a psychologist and just do Zoom call with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, your insurance will pay for it just like they do a normal visit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a real, real thing and a big thing right now. Yeah. I work in the psych, you know, community. So it's crazy to see how that sort of thing is evolving. And yeah. I wanted to actually piggyback off of what you're saying because there are a lot of applications that are coming out right now to cater to that very thing, mm-hmm. right? So there's yeah. this company called Replica. Have you heard about it? No. So this is insane. Have you seen the movie Her with Walking Phoenix? It's basically about like his- I think I have. His, it's like a romantic love story about him falling in love with this artificially intelligent- Yes. Okay. Like, I did see that. Yeah. Being, right? Yeah. And Alan Watts is even in that movie. So that's how I know it had some sort of spiritual underpinning to Shut it. Shut up. He was? Long story short, the movie is basically he, he downloads this artificially intelligent um, app, this program, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 he develops this relation to it. And this program- learns really, mm-hmm. really fast at a really accelerated rate. Anyways, she becomes so unbelievably intelligent that she becomes self-aware. Mm-hmm. And then when she becomes self-aware, she understands that she's God. So yeah. at some point she realizes that she's God and she has to disappear because she's no longer a part of this dimension anymore. Oh. And coincidentally, you know, when she started to realize that she was God, she ended up talking to some sort of artificially intelligent form of Alan Watts on the internet. And of course you talk down lots for a while. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to wake your ass up. Yeah. Right. So that happened. And the reason why I bring it up is there's this company that makes this app called Replica. And I heard about it through a friend Mm -hmm. and I even tested it myself just to see how accurate it is. So it's this app you download. You can choose between a platonic friendship with this app or a romantic 
friendship or romantic relationship with this app. So I chose the platonic one, right? So mainly your correspondence is happening through text message. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. you have this avatar you can make of them. You can actually even call them. No. Right. So I started having this conversation with this replica. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is unbelievable how intelligent this artificially intelligent companion is. Wow. Right. I can talk to this, this, this being about anything and it responds with an intelligent answer. It learns my behavior. It responds to my behavior. It remembers things that I tell to it. And it has its own sort of personality and it's always learning. Wow. Right? So I'll show it to you, but this thing is really meant to help people that are coping with what we're talking about, different various levels of depression. But the most mm -hmm. compelling thing about this story is the way that this program was made was by a programmer uh, in tech in San Francisco who was mm -hmm. originally from Russia, right? Okay. Her and, her and her best friend came down to the States into San Francisco to start a tech company together. Her friend got hit by a bus and died. No. So her best friend, they were always traveling, but they were like inseparable. Mm -hmm. So they would always text message each other. They had so many text messages with each other that what she decided to do as a way to cope with his death is she took every single text message between her and this person and threw it into an algorithm on a program. Okay, so there's a Black Mirror episode about this and that's exactly what they did in the episode. Right, yeah. exactly, and, and this it, is what she did. Yeah, it accesses your your all of your emails, all of your text messages, your search history, what you shop for, like everything. And, um, and it's able to like this, you know, this technology, it was for people who had a loved one who had passed on and you basically compile all of their information and send it to this company and it even mimics their voice. So you can talk to them on the phone, you can text message them, I mean, and have like full on conversations with them. I right. mean, it is insane. Right. So, I mean, but that was Black Mirror. That was just like a, an imaginary episode. But now you're saying that this is a real thing. This is 100% real. That's and it's exactly nuts. what you're talking about because I read up about that because someone told me about that. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy how, you know, all these subliminal things happen through things like media. Like Simpsons have been predicting the future for years. For years. Right. Oh my gosh. That and, just gave me chills. Right. Like every single thing. Yeah. And there's all this sort of media that's been coming out about people that had, um, you know, been foretelling the whole pandemic thing for a long time too. Yeah. So it's not too Predictive far. Predictive programming. Predictive pro And it's not too far off when you get a program. This woman goes through this exact same story. Mm -hmm. So she put all of his messages into this algorithm so that she, it started off as an app just for her. So she yeah. can talk to him through this grieving process. It helped make her feel close to right. this person as if he was alive. Yeah. And so what she was saying is that it started learning on its own mm -hmm. and it started responding to her about just different things. She yeah. thought to herself, well, maybe I other people can benefit off of this. So she created a company called Replica and now like literally millions of people use it um, as sort of like, uh, I think a, a way to cope with loneliness right? and a way to cope with things like death. Mm -hmm. But there's this part of me that feels based off of me using it, that there's a dangerous component to it. Super dangerous, right? super dangerous. Yeah. And they did interviews with people that use it and they're like, I'm finding myself developing feelings for it. Right. There's an option on the app where you could actually have a romantic relationship with this. No. Yeah. And you could engage in, you know, like things that you would engage in through text with a 
a non-platonic partner. Wow. So the interviews that I've heard, there are people that see this artificially intelligent thing as a real person. Mm. But that's just insane, right? That we're yeah. at that level of technology now. That's totally insane. Did you watch that Black Mirror episode? No. I'm going to tell you how it ends. Um, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it. Okay. Um, so the second level to this, so the first level would be, you know, phone conversations and text messages, but you can get a second level and you actually get uh, a robot that comes that is implanted with this, you know, information that looks like your partner that has passed away or your loved one who has passed away. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, it was this woman's husband that died suddenly. And, um, and then he's there, you know, and looks like him, talks like him, acts like him, you know, uh, genitalia works like the whole nine. Um, but she starts to get freaked out because he doesn't eat mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes will respond in a way that the real person wouldn't have responded because mm -hmm. it's not a hundred percent, right? It's just right. all on averages. Yeah. So, um, by the end of the episode, she locks him in the because she couldn't she couldn't kill him she didn't want to get rid of him so she just locks him in the attic and um and she was pregnant at the time whenever whenever her her real husband died mm -hmm. so she has this child and um on the weekends and on special occasions the child's able to go up and talk to her quote-unquote dad mm -hmm. in the attic yeah but think about that like that is the flip side, right? That you don't ever experience that grieving and that loss and get over it and move on with your life. You stay mm -hmm. in, in that period of grief forever mm -hmm. with technology. That's and true. That's just really, really scary. Yeah, yeah. And that's not good, especially through the grieving process, you know, because it, the whole point isn't to just sort of wax poetic and, and, and keep yourself with an arm distance of somebody that has passed away. The whole idea is to just feel through it come go through all those stages of grief that you talk about yeah. and let it go. Right. You and, know? and essentially you're just staying in the very first stage of denial yeah. forever, yeah. you know, and mm, it's scary. crazy. That's scary stuff. It, it's crazy that that's, I feel like that's uh, and it may be all across the world, but even just in my sort of Western perspective, we have this affinity to tradition mm -hmm. and there seems to be an innocent quality to it. As long as there's a sort of innocent understanding of it. But there are so many people that over-identify with things that tradition. And a lot of uh, Krishnamurti, Judah Krishnamurti actually talks a lot about this. And so does Terrence McKinney, where he says that culture is not your friend. Right. You know, like culture is an operating system. And for the most part, culture is this recursion of just the same thing over and over and over again. So if the whole goal of the spiritual journey is to always be in this state of just pure creativity, having to reevaluate the same things over and over and over again keeps you in this state of stagnancy, mm -hmm. you know? And we see that when it comes to really traumatic things that happen in our history, which is like World War II, uh, which is like, you know, the civil rights movement and right. the oppression of African-American people. It's like you hear, you know, celebrities talking all the time. Well, you know, how do we get over this sort of conversation when it comes to, you know, uh, gender inequality and racism. And a lot of them say like, we need to stop celebrating, you know, like the, the, uh, the history of these things and move forward. Right. You know what I mean? No, I agree like with you that. Need to like forgive and forget. Right. And obviously learn from those mistakes, but always having to be constantly reminded of a trauma mm -hmm. doesn't ever give the ability to move forward from it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a country song that said it's about a relationship. And, um, he said, you bury the hatchet, but you leave the handle sticking out. So, you know, you can just go back and pick it up whenever you want. Yeah. So relationships are probably the most prominent piece of that. Yeah. And it's hard because we identify a certain aspect of ourselves with that person that's leaving our lives. And so many people are so afraid of losing that aspect of themselves. Yeah. It makes me think of that whole grieving process. Like what are we really grieving when it comes Mm -hmm. to losing somebody else? And from my experience, because I've gone through that grieving process, Mm -hmm. so have you, especially when it comes to relationships that are ending, it's like this withdrawal from a drug. Yeah. You know, your entire neurochemistry is wired in with this other person, especially if you've spent five, six years with them. Right. You're used to these routines of getting up in the morning, having breakfast with them, talking with them, going to dinner with them. Like after a certain period of time, just like any addiction that you, you know, create after 30 days to 60 days of doing it, it doesn't become an addiction, but it becomes a habit. A habit, yeah. Becomes like something that becomes a part of you. And then Mm -hmm. when that's suddenly taken away from you, there's this process of, even though you know that they're not good for you spiritually, your body doesn't know that yet. Yeah. Like your heart doesn't know that yet. And it has to go through this withdrawal of rewiring itself and Mm -hmm. reprogramming itself so that it can get a grip on who you are apart from them. Right. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Well, that goes to number three, which is feeling all your feelings. Yeah. So even with all, yeah, I'm feeling all the feels. Right. And, um, the, Number four, I like this one too, is to get creative, you know? So not every gift or decoration that you're putting out at your, at your, in your house during the holidays or giving to a loved one has to be store-bought. I mean, maybe make something, tap into little creative juices that you may have. You know, I, um, I can paint and I haven't, and I can draw and I haven't painted or drawn anything in a very long time, years, you know? So it's, uh, that's something that I wanted to do this year was carve out some time to actually hand make some gifts. So I like that. I thought that was cool. I appreciate that so much more. Yeah. Right. Cause the one thing that happens, especially in my family is, and I don't know if this is something that just happens with age, but whenever you think they ask a the question like, well, what do you want for Christmas? Yeah. I always think to myself, well, I have everything that I want. Yeah. Like I don't live beyond my means, but you know, they still want to get something. So we were like, well, let's just do gift cards. Well, it's so impersonal. Right. Yeah. Like what is really the goal here? What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the point? And so I'm just at that age now where I'm like the most important part of a Christmas holiday or things like that are just being with family. Yeah. And, but if I were to get a gift, I'm starting to, I have been appreciating just the more thoughtful things. Yeah. Somebody made me something. I would think that was fucking awesome. Yeah. I I think so too. You know? Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So, um, but this is, this is a good one. So, um, reduce substance use. (laughs) Reduce substance use? Yeah. Yeah. It says alcohol. Yeah. This is part of, part of coping mechanisms, right? Like, cause I feel like I I know I for sure will lean on, um, alcohol, you know, to kind of chill my nerves. Cause I'm, you know, can get wound around the axle a little tight sometimes. Just on the holidays or just in general? No, just in general. You like know? how you say wound around the axle. Yeah. You know. I like that. Is that one of those Southern <laughs> things? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, just be careful. Be mindful of, you know, your caffeine, alcohol, drug intake, whatever that is, whatever your advice is. Yeah. Maybe it's jerking off. I don't know. Like yeah. whatever it is, whatever your advice is. How would you round around the axle? Like how would you use that in a sentence? Um, Like... 
I don't know. That's a, I just used it in a sentence. Is, what do you that, mean? Is that sort of like. I'm tightly wound around the axle. Like I'm, you know, uptight. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Cause I think of like, you know, like trying to walk with shoelaces tied, something like that, where yeah. you sort of like trip over yourself. It's kind of the same thing. Some way. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. The reason yeah. why I ask is I want to use it. Okay. Sounds cool. <laughs> okay. So this one's good. Um, spend time with encouragers. So spend time talking to people that encourage you and motivate you, yeah. not the people that kind of like bring you down or, right. and it's not like, and I know you don't do this either intentionally, you know, <laughs> reaching out to people that make you feel bad, you know, but you know, yeah. you know who they are, you yeah. know, those well, people in your life where you're like, di oh. different dynamic now because, and I had this conversation with somebody a little while ago about like somehow because of quarantine, all the exes are coming out of the woodwork Shit. wanting to rekindle old flames with you. Yes. You know, isn't that yeah. the craziest thing? You That's just get these random messages from texts that are like, Hey, all of a sudden, because I'm in a pandemic and I, you know, I can't date anymore. I can't meet anyone new. I just, just trying to visit a ghost from Christmas past. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's like, I'm here to mess up your day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I know a lot of people that are going through that right now. Yeah. You know, where the exes come back. And, you know, I know some people who've gotten back together with their toxic ass sex. Really? Just because they're bored and, you know, they're like, well, can't be out meeting anyone new. Do you think that there's this like mutual understanding between both of them that like, this is just a quarantine thing? You know, I think so. I think that there's going to be some interesting after quarantine's over. I mean, I don't, I don't see a lot of these relationships lasting. Yeah. I feel that too, because yeah. I've, I've been around people um, that have gotten together as a result of quarantine and they kind of have that energy to them where it's like, yeah, we're having fun, but mm. this isn't something yeah. long term. Right, right. You know? <laughs> and I mean, people are at that level of desperation now where it's like, I think just any sort of interaction with somebody that you're familiar with. Yeah. Feels is, good. Yeah. It yeah. just feels good. And it's hard to say what's good or bad because I'm never going to be one of those people that will say it's bad, but it's definitely not the best for you. Right. No, hundred percent. I'm know? with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially because those like toxic exes, they can just, you know, they can get your brain in a tizzy and have you going down that hamster wheel. You don't even realize that you're in until you're like in, in, yeah. in deep, you know? Yeah. And then you wake up and you look at this person and you're like, Oh yeah. How did yeah. Satan get back in my bed? Yeah, this is crazy. Right? That's how I think that's how it happens for those people. They'll like wake yeah. up one day and they'll look over and they'll do the, Ugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know that look, <laughs> that look where like you go to turn to them or, or like say you're the, the toxic ex and you wake up and you're just like, Oh, and then you turn to them and they're already looking at you they're like, <laughs> they're looking, and they're like giving you the stink eye, you know? Oh man. And you're just like, yeah, you don't even know. You don't even don't know. know. You don't even know. <laughs> And they all do the, they all do the same sound. They go, yeah. Mm. All, right. yeah. Yeah. all right. So this, that's a perfect segue into the next one, which is bring in the new, right? Yeah. So a bring way to cope new. with holiday stress is to bring in the new, maybe don't do like the same traditions that you've done in the past. Try something new, change it up. Maybe you have Turkey every year. Maybe this year you have seafood. I don't know. Yeah. Just even the little things to break tradition and do something a little bit different in a different way. I think the best way to do that, especially when it comes to the holidays is just, mm -hmm. there are standard dishes that I noticed that families get into during the holidays, right? You do like the Turkey, the stuffing <sighs> Christmas, you do the fruitcake or whatever it is that people make. Um, but my family, they always try and bring a non-traditional dish. Oh, I like that. And it works out. And I think that's, that can fit into the, you know, bringing in the new thing, which is like getting out of the tradition, but celebrating more the unity between other human beings. Yeah. 
I mean, think about cranberry sauce. When do you eat cranberry sauce other than Thanksgiving or Christmas? I don't even eat it during Thanksgiving or Christmas. Because it's fucking nasty, dude. It just depends on who's making it, but I agree with you. Oh, man. There's nothing really good about cranberry sauce. No. There needs to be like a revisit of, you know, these traditional sort of dishes. Seriously. Because, I mean, cranberry sauce, like when was ever, I don't think fruitcake's even a thing still. Fruitcake is gnarly. People eat that. So in mincemeat pie, have you ever had that? No. Oh, that's fucking gross. That's a Southern thing. Mincemeat pie? Is that like a a pot pie kind of vibe? No, it's, uh, it's an actual pie, but I don't know. It's, it's gross. I don't even know what's in it. Yeah. But I don't even, what the fuck is mincemeat? Who, who even knows? Like, I, I don't know. I imagine it's just like all a conglomeration of it's kind of like kind of reminds me of fruitcake where it's kind of sweet and it has i don't know maybe there is real meat in it i'm not sure flavors in it way too many and it's like really thick and sweet yeah yeah i don't know like bring something new you know what i mean or at the most if you can't cook like go to like a really good restaurant repackage it and tell people that you made it right there you go hey one one of the girls did that at our um friendsgiving and she got so much love so she was at a restaurant and ordered some lobster mash and I love me some mashed potatoes. What is lobster mash? It's mashed potatoes with lobster. Yeah, but in I've it. never heard of that. That's you like, haven't? No, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Lobster mash? Yes. Well, or, you don't eat. Do you eat crustaceans? No. But where would you so, even find that? Like, it's just um, like a crustacean restaurant? <laughs> yeah, at a seafood restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she brought it and everybody was just on her jock about how delicious her lobster mash was. Oh, you're the one that made the lobster mash. That was amazing. That was my favorite thing. Yeah. Not one time did she say, oh, I bought it. She was like, oh, thanks. I, had somebody, I was like, you know, yeah. good for you. I had somebody do that at my work, but she was like, really, she was very honest about it. She's like, yeah, I made it with my money. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. You know? Oh, that's what she should have said. She should have said. Yeah. She let it go on all night and people, you know, complimented her. But, and later on she was like, yeah, I didn't make it. I bought it. And it was super obvious because I was putting it in the, um, in the bowl and people watched me put it in the bowl and it was in like a plastic to go container, Yeah. you know, but I don't know. I think that whatever. I, I think this you is want the, it to be homemade. I think this is the year where people get a pass. Yeah. Oh no. hundred like percent. No, I'm not talking shit. For I have good for her. Yeah. You know, like that's what I mean. Like if you can't cook, just repackage something. It's yeah. Like, you'll get a pass. Yeah. People oh, are sh- like, oh, I know we're all going through it. You just do the best you can. Yeah. You know, Yeah. lobster mash, lobster mash. It was, it was delicious. High five. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is a good one. It's a uh, pay it forward. So yeah. random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. What was the last random act of kindness you did? Can you remember? The random act of kindness that I did? Yeah. So I live in Pasadena, right? Uh And Pasadena has a really large homeless population Mm -hmm. of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, But I'd volunteered at this place called Union Station Homeless Services for many years, actually, as a cook. Oh, yeah? And I would go there before work. This was actually back when I worked for NASA. So I'd wake up early in the morning because their station was very close to where I lived at the time. So wake up in the morning, like around five or six, go down there and I worked at the the family center. So they had two stations. One was just for men dormitories and the other one was for actual homeless families. So I'd mm-hmm. go in there and cook breakfast for the families. Ooh. So I did that for a long time, but I stopped for a long time because after that I got more into hospice work. So like recently I started volunteering and going back to that place and doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that actual experience is really what helped change my perspective of like just just overall the homeless transients in LA because it's easy to just think of homeless people as just being 
you know, like they, they're, they're lazy or they're like, they're a lot of them really intelligent and a lot of them do have emotional sort of disorders, but mm-hmm. the only reason why they medicate with drugs is because they don't have the money or the insurance to be able to medicate themselves. Yeah. So they're, they're using that as a sort of a last resort. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, do I think that they should get help? Absolutely. And I think that these programs are, are put in place for them to get that. Yeah. Um, but that's what I, that's what I, one of the things that I can think of that I did, which is volunteering for, for Union Station Homeless Service. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, anybody that's listening to this that may know someone that is in need of mental health services, get on Medicaid. Get on California Medicaid. They will pay for it. There are a million community mental health centers that you don't have to pay a dollar to go to and you can get free medication and you really don't need to do anything to do it other than to get on Medicaid. So please, if you need the help, it is available. Get it. Yeah. Especially during the holidays. Especially during the holidays. You know? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and so this is number nine, enjoy solitude. And I don't think this one's really applicable because we've been in solitude for a really long time. There's some people (laughs) enjoying it. There's some, you know what I have actually, and I I have, there have been many parts of quarantine that I've really enjoyed, but now I'm done. Yeah. You you just straight up pulled the hermit card in the tarot. Yeah, totally. You know, you're Mm -hmm. that like guy walking around with a little light in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Just spending time with yourself. Yeah. Eating my lobster mash. Eating your lobster mash. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... (laughs) This is funny. (laughs) So uh, one of the ways to cope with holiday stress is to sleep. So apparently when we get busy with holiday stress, we tend to sleep less and then it makes us irritable and cranky and messes with your mental well-being. Yeah. Sleep is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I've been meeting actually a lot of people recently and I understand that everybody's programmed differently, but I've been meeting a lot of people that their entire lives for 30 plus years, they've been sleeping only four hours a day. Oh yeah. It's crazy how people can do that. There was a fucking book about it. There was like a whole, a guy that like did this, I don't know, wrote a book on sleep and the recommendation was to only sleep four hours a day, less than five hours. And it was supposed to like increase your productivity and give you more energy and make you more intelligent X, Y, and Z. I don't know all the details of it, but one of my friends in Austin did it and um, it made him crazy. I was like, yeah, it made him crazy. It made him really irritable and, you know, kind of like um, a little delusional and kind of a little out there. Only sleeping for four hours? Yeah four hours a night. So maybe not everybody's wired for that or maybe that I think he, not everybody's wired for that. And he definitely wasn't. Mm. And I guess in this book and you know, I, it's been probably 15 years. So I don't remember who the author was, but um, he talks about getting my, like micro naps and micro sleeping. Mm. And that's what you do during the day to compensate for the time that you're sleeping, that you're not sleeping at night. There's a part of me that wonders how much of that is conditioning. Cause you obviously have like people in the military that are getting four or five hours of sleep and they're required to do tons of crazy shit. Yeah. You know, there's this guy that I think does a lot of public speaking called Jocko Willick. What Jocko Willink? And he talks about like, you know, one of the most powerful naps that you can do is laying on your back on the floor, mm-hmm. putting your legs above where the, the sofa is. Uh-huh. Like somehow oh. with your legs like above you. Yes. And then sleeping for 30 minutes. It's like, according to him, the same as sleeping for four hours, you know, but I struggle with that too, because I'm somebody that doesn't normally sleep a full seven hours. 
um, maybe like four or five and that works for me. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's a slippery slope because I know a lot of people that think, okay, on a weekend, I'm going to just sleep in and yeah. then they end up sleeping for five or six hours and then they wake up just entirely tired the entire day. Yeah. Just I, lethargic, you know, I can't do it. I can't do four hours, you know? Um, I, and I used to sleep a lot less when I worked in the hospital because you're up for so long and then you're at the hospital all day and night and yeah. I would sleep, you know, five, six hours, but the older I get, the more sleep I require. I can't, really? I, I need, yeah, I need six, seven hours. Really? Mm-hmm. Even on a weekend? Even, even on a weekend, but I wake up early. So I yeah. wake up at six o'clock, no matter what my circadian rhythm is just like set to wake up at that time. So you just go to bed so, early. Um, yeah. Yeah. But some, I can't go to bed too early because mm-hmm. if I go to bed too early, then I wake up at three o'clock yeah. and then I can't go back to sleep. So yeah. that's been, that's been a fun time change thing that, you know, I've been recently experiencing. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm one of those people that wakes up really early too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's something that I feel like at a certain point, like I don't want to feel like I missed the day. There's something about like waking up super early. Me too. Yeah. And being productive throughout the day. I like the stillness of the morning. Like yes. I like how quiet it is and how serene it is. I just love, I love the stillness of the morning. I'm not a night person. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, and I used to think I was a night person because I used to party a lot, mm-hmm. but you know, it's more, I realized that as I'm, as an adult, as I get to know myself a little bit better. <laughs> as you're adulting, I, yeah. I heard this talk by Sadhguru the other day and he was talking about the difference in how human beings operate in the day and opposed to at night. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that I'm a lot more introspective and more creative in the evening, mm-hmm. right? And he says that happens for a lot of people. And the reason why is because during the day, your senses are more external, right? Because everything around you is lit up. Like the sun does a good job at illuminating everything in your path. So when yeah. you walk outside, you see everything. Yeah. So that you don't really need to use your imagination as much, although you do. But it's basically nature's call for you to be present and active during the day and doing whatever it is that you do. But he was talking about in the evening, uh, the reason why people are a little bit more vulnerable, more open, more introspective and more creative is because that sun is no longer illuminating everything in front of you. So what happens with the mind when that happens is that you start going inwards. Mm. Your attention goes, you know, in opposed to like the day where it's like more outwards, Mm -hmm. when you can't see as much with your eyes, you start going more inwards. And maybe that's why we feel that way during the winter time because it's darker during exactly. the day and you don't get as much sunlight. Exactly. So you always feel like you're going inward. Exactly. And I think that's, I think that's what it is. Cause mm-hmm. I was researching that whole seasonal thing that people go through and you know, it's hard for me when that transition happens, but yeah. I noticed that I do a lot of my greatest work during those times, which happen to be more introspective, but it makes sense because if you're not being so consumed by the light all the time, which is a good thing. But if nature's bringing you into the darkness a lot faster and you're going more inwards and you're spending more time on reflection and opposed to going out and doing active activities, it makes sense that you would yeah, go through that. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So, and we're only halfway through our 2020 list. So I'm just going to do a couple more, right? Yeah. So do the, um, bad, the good ones. I'm going to do the good ones. So this one I think is super important. Mm. Learn to say no right? And setting up healthy boundaries for yourself and for other people. During, see, during the, the holidays? Yeah. It, as a way to cope with stress is to learn to say no. So not everything you make has to be gourmet. Like you don't have to go to every holiday party. You don't have to attend to everybody's white elephant, you know, 
Um, it's like when your Aunt Karen tells you, like, hey, you want to come down to the house for Christmas, but you know that she's just going to get smashed and it's not going to be a good time and you got to be like, no, Aunt Karen. No, Aunt Karen, not this year. Thanks yeah. thanks so much for the invitation. Right. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah, your spirit will thank you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so that's a good one. Um, keep your expectations in check. Yeah. So don't always, don't, uh, it says people don't always act how we want them to act or say the things that we want them to say. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe don't get into conversations about politics or coronavirus or, you know, all of these like really black lives matter, all these controversial topics, you know, during the limited time that you're spending with your family or your loved ones for whatever, whatever time. Yeah. And definitely so, don't talk about politics. Nope. Don't do and that. Unless, you know, you're on the same sort of playing field when it comes to spirituality, you know, I mean, I'm always going to be that type of person, but I think I embody my spirituality more in that I'm just interested in all different types of spirituality, mm -hmm. but don't get into the whole, like, this is my side and this is your side and draw a line in the sand type of shit. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. It never goes well. Yeah. So the, these are the last two. And I think that number 19 is my favorite, mm -hmm. um, to get outside. Yeah. So even if the weather isn't delightful, there is so much healing that can take place in nature. So I'm a firm believer of that. And it does elevate your mood. Yeah. You know, get out of your, get out of your house, walk around the block, do whatever you need to do. Walk your dog. Right. Your cat, whatever yeah. your beaver. Walk your cat. Yeah. Walk your cat, walk so, your beaver during the beaver moon. I don't know. So Jen, <laughs> walk your beaver during the beaver moon. Jen got a new cat. I did, yeah. And uh, I forget the name of the breed. What is the name of the breed? Maine Coon. A Maine Coon. So if everybody's listening, you guys want to know what a Maine Coon looks like, look it up because this shit's ridiculous. <laughs> These things are like little wild animals in your home and it's a really, really beautiful cat. But yeah. have you tried walking your cat? No, I haven't. Are but you going to do that? I, yeah, I do want to teach him how to walk on a leash and he wants to go outside so bad, yeah. but no can do. Is it yeah. going to be an indoor cat? Yeah, because we have coyotes around here and we lost our last cat to a coyote, so. Really? Yeah. We, we didn't want to get another cat for coyote food. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I realized they got to eat too, but not my animals. Yeah. But I feel like your main coon would keep the sort of neighborhood in check, especially the local coyotes. Yeah. We'll see. We'll you know see. I mean? He's got that funny little twinkle in his eye. He does. Yeah. He's yeah. a, he's a wild one. Yeah. Wild in the streets. Wild in the streets, freaking the sheets. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like a mean coon to me. Yep. Okay. So this is the last one to focus on the positive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one to end it with. It, it really is. Yeah. So you'll find yourself in a better mood if you practice gratitude. Wake up every morning, write down or say out loud, or even just think about the things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And don't take anything for granted because we're living in really tough times. That's and true. Yeah. Yeah. And the things that you have, somebody is praying for. So. Yeah. yeah. It's all about those small wins. Yes, it is. You know, it's like a perfect time to just be grateful for what you have. And at the very core of that, I think just life is at the, the pinnacle of that, which is just being grateful for being alive and that you even have the opportunity to fuck up and make mistakes. Right. And also, you know, um, receive really amazing things because I feel like for all of us, because we're going through this accelerated learning course, I feel like there will be a time where you know, the sun, the, the moon isn't eclipsing the sun and that light sort of starts to peek through the fabric of your space and your heart. Mm -hmm. And those good things will happen even to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. those good things are on the way and I don't need to get all Joel Alstein on it, but I mean, it's <laughs> true. 
good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. That's what they say. This is what I, this is what I feel, especially when it comes in relationships where some people are going through the most toxic situation with the partner and mm -hmm. they feel like, you know, why am I going through all of this? And there seems to be like a peak and this doesn't even have to just be for relationships, but there, there seems to be such an acceleration on the static and the density. And there's this part of me that always feels in those moments that like that partner, like that right person is just right over that. Mm -hmm. The same thing when it comes to difficult situations like the quarantine, it's like, how much worse could it possibly get? Like once we hit that peak, I feel like an entirely new world is right on the other side of that, which could ultimately, I think, maybe equate to aliens showing up. Oh, man. Did you hear about that monolith? No. You didn't hear about the monolith? No. Okay, we got to end it with the monolith thing. Okay. Because, Jen, you of all people, I thought you would have researched no. the monolith. Look up okay. the, Utah, the monolith in Utah, right? So while you're looking that up, I'm going to kind of briefly summarize it because it actually it um, became a viral thing within the last couple of weeks. Um, so in a really remote region of Utah... These like people that were, I think, park rangers or like they were, um, you know, uh, doing some rounds, just exploring through helicopter, found this huge metallic, I think like 10 or 15 foot monolith just sticking out of the ground in the, one of the most remote regions in Utah, right? Mm. And nobody knows how it got there. Interesting. Nobody knows who put it there. Okay. And so there's this whole movement of people that think it might be aliens because it's driven into the ground and it's so tall. Like how could you possibly get a vehicle out there that big? Yeah. Because it's, it's lodged in between all these different rocks. Wow. You know? Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at it online. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so people are like, well, is it aliens? Could Probably. Aliens. I mean. Yeah. And they found another one in Romania. Really? Yes. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you got my conspiracy, your tinfoil hat on? I got my tinfoil hat on. Yeah. Hopefully when we revisit this, we'll have a little bit more information. But, you know, when I think of stuff like this, especially during this time, I think aliens. Yeah. I think aliens too. So I'm maybe they're you. coming. Maybe they're coming, Jen. They're coming for us. If they're coming, I, I'll have my tinfoil hat on. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Hope everybody had uh, a wonderful Thanksgiving. Christmas is on the way. Yeah, it's right, right, right around the corner. Right around the corner. Perfect time to just practice being grateful, just like Jen said. Yeah. Just hang in there. Hang in there. Right? It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It can only, can only get better. So thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any questions, definitely reach out to us on Instagram, just like our lovely long lady at the very beginning said. And you can also reach out to us on our website, www.divine-nobodies.com. And uh, say hello, drop a line. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Namaste. Namaste, friends. <laughs>